Good morning, and welcome to Zachary United Methodist Church. If you are new to our online worship services, we welcome you. We hope that you are blessed for the time that you spend with us here today. And of course, we say Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there today. And we hope that you truly have a day of great appreciation wherever you are. Now, if you were with us last week, then you already know what the topic for today's sermon is going to be. Because we are in the midst of a series of sermons where we're looking at how we might live out the fruit of the Spirit in our daily lives. And if you know anything about the fruit of the Spirit, you know that the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And now, when a preacher tells you what the topic of the sermon is going to be for the day, then most of the times you're able to at least make a guess of what the scripture text is going to be. But when a preacher tells you that the topic of the sermon is going to be on love, then it makes you want to scratch your head and say, can you be a little bit more specific? (laughs) Because the idea of love isn't just limited to a few random texts in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. In fact, every book of the New Testament references the word love, except for one. Do you know what book in the New Testament does not mention the word love? It's the book of Acts. The word love actually doesn't appear in the book of Acts. But we know that it's certainly demonstrated over and over again by the actions of the apostles. So this idea of love in the Christian life, loving God, loving others, is just not a limited idea in the Bible. You find it on every turn of every page, almost. Even Jesus said, loving God and loving our neighbor makes up the two greatest commandments of all. So when Paul lists love as being the first quality of the fruit of the Spirit, his readers didn't say, whoa, love? Where did that come from? Because it was already understood to be a fundamental principle of what it means to live the Christian life. This is why shortly before Paul listed these qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, in his letter to Galatians, he says, The only thing that counts is faith, expressing itself through love. And then in his letter to Corinthians, he said, And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, the greatest of these, is love. So today we're going to look at this topic of love, not just as a theory or as a concept, but as a quality that we are to try to put into practice every day of our lives. For as Christians, not only are we to bear the fruit of love, this is how we are to be known as Christ's disciples. For Jesus said, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. If you were with us last week, Remember how we talked about the first steps that we need to take in order to see these fruits of the Spirit come alive in our lives. We talked about how we need to prepare our heart through prayer and through Bible study. We talked about how we need to prune away any obstacles that are standing between us and a fully devoted life to Jesus Christ. And then we talked about how we need to practice each of these fruit of the Spirit on a regular basis. For living out the fruit of the Spirit is not something you can accomplish by your own but neither can you accomplish it with no effort at all. And so we need to do our part in cultivating the Spirit's fruit. And today we begin with the the grandest quality of them all, love. Now, at the risk of dating myself, 
Uh, growing up, one of my favorite bands was the band Foreigner. And um, back in the 80s, they recorded a song, and probably many of you know, it's, I want to know what love is. And I'll spare you me trying to sing it to you this morning. I think most of you remember the lyrics. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. And that's really our quest for today. We want to know what love really is. Because the truth is, there are many out there in the world today who really don't know what love is. And so for starters, I can tell you very quickly three things that uh, John says love is not. First of all, he says love is not a feeling. From his letter, he is clear that love is an action. It's something you choose to do in spite of how you feel about it. And secondly, love is not an option. I mean, John makes it clear, if you're serious about living the Christian life, then you have to take seriously loving God and loving others. And this is not something you just do when it's convenient or when it's easy. It's something you do day in and day out. John also makes it clear that love is not a new idea. As I mentioned earlier, love has always been at the core of our scriptures. And as John says in verse 11, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. So as far as God is concerned, love is central. It is a central theme of living a Christian life. But what is love? I mean, what does it really look like? Well, John tells us in verse 16 when he says, We know love by this, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And then he says, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And so the challenge is not just to know what love is. The challenge for us is to show what love is. In the words of a foreigner, I want you to show me. And so on this Father's Day, and on this day in which we live in a world that desperately needs to know what love is, we're going to be focusing on how we can demonstrate God's love to the people in your life. People such as your spouse, or the people who are your friends, your neighbors, your family members, your co-workers, uh, people who have really nothing in common with you, some that you may even disagree with, some that you even consider to be your enemy. God calls us to love them all. Today we're going to look at some ways that we can do that. So to answer the question, I want to know what love is. I think the first way that we demonstrate to others what this love looks like is to treat others as your equal. And I truly believe this is a step we all need to take right now in order for healing to come about in our society. Often we think of the greatest obstacle of love to be hate. And of course we've seen a lot of hate lately demonstrated in our society. But it's not just hate. It's also pride and arrogance and condescension toward others, thinking that we're somehow better than others or more deserving than others. These attitudes simply stand in the way of our ability to be able to love others. C.S. Lewis said, A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down... You can't see something that's above you. There's simply no place in the Christian life for condescension toward others. 
And there's no place for pride when it comes to loving others. One thing that made the Christian church so unique in the Roman world was that it, would, it crossed all cultural barriers. I mean, every fellowship of believers was made up of, of people from every segment of society, from all walks of life. And those who found themselves excluded elsewhere always found a warm welcome and embrace among Christian believers. As Paul said in his letter to Galatians, where we find this description of the fruit of the Spirit, he says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And John emphasizes this again in verse 1 of our text today, where he says, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. This is the first step in being able to treat others as our equal. It is to recognize that we are all children of God. And as children of God, we are to treat one another with love as brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you're entertaining the idea that you perhaps are a little bit better than, or maybe a whole lot better than those around you, then you need to recognize you are really incapable of loving others as Christ loves them. Because as Paul says in Romans 2, God shows no partiality. God loves us all the same. And as John would say in his gospel, for God so loved this world that he sent his only son. Not just for some, but for all. So when it comes to demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit known as love, our love for one another, it's never a reaching down kind of love. It is always a reaching across kind of love. For we are all in the same boat together. We all have the same past, in that we are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. And we all have the same potential, that we can become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Love begins by recognizing that each of us shares a common story as God's children. And so, condescension and arrogance and pride, they really have no place among us. Love will say, I can identify with you as being a child of God, and so I choose to see the good in you. As Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others better than yourselves. This is the Christ-like way of loving others. The second way we demonstrate what love is like to others is to treat others with compassion. Here's how Frederick Buechner defined compassion. He said, Compassion is the sometimes fatal capacity for feeling what it's like to live inside somebody else's skin. It is the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is peace and joy finally for you too. It's interesting that we've been hearing those same words a lot in our society today with the current crisis that's been going on in our nation. Listen, loving others with a Christ-like love means that you can't sit still. You can't rest. You cannot be silent and ignore it as long as there is someone in need and you have the ability to do something about it. 
as John says in this letter, he doesn't pull any punches about this principle. He said, how does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's good and sees a brother or sister in need, yet refuses to help? Now, to be sure, you can't solve all the world's problems, nor can you pay all the world's bills. But there will be times when God brings a situation to the forefront and you have the means to do something about it. And love insists that you do. Now, I'm not just talking about money here. I'm not talking about much more than simply assisting people in material ways. It means that you're willing to do whatever it takes to help someone who is in need, even when money isn't what is needed. Last year, I heard about someone who um, had some major car trouble, and they didn't have the money to cover the cost of the repairs. And so when their neighbor heard about it, they came over and told them, you know, I wish I, we could help you financially, but I simply can't help you with that. I don't have the means to do so. But I can do this. I can take you to and from work, and I can help get your kids to school back and forth until you're able to raise the money to get your car fixed. Now that was a daily demonstration of brotherly love that took a couple of months to complete. But in the long run, it was so much more meaningful than simply loaning their neighbor some money. Compassion says, when I see someone is in need, I refuse to turn the other way. I will do what I can to help. And our compassion is not just to be extended to those that we like, and to those that are like us. Our compassion is to be extended to all who are God's children. Now it's important to remember that when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about now is, is love, he, he wasn't really talking about it being a feeling. Uh, fruit of love that is born of the Spirit, it is much more than just a feeling. And it's much more than just the words we speak. It is an action that we choose to take. And this means there are going to be times when love will be inconvenient. There's going to be times when love will be a sacrifice. There's going to be times when love will cost us something. But love is willing to pay that cost because we have been recipients of an even greater cost. One that was paid for us on the cross. As John says in chapter 4, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. And finally, to demonstrate what love really is, is a third thing we must be willing to do. And that is to take the first step. I've often heard people tell me that when he takes the first step to reconcile, I'll take a step toward reconciliation. Or when she moves in my direction, then I'll move in her direction. And, of course, that's our natural inclination. But that is not a spirit-led inclination, nor is it a spiritually mature inclination. Those who are filled with the spirit of love will say, I am willing to take the first step. I'm willing to risk making the first move. I was visiting at the home of some friends not long ago, and they were sitting on their couch. And suddenly the husband jumped up, and he went over and he got an African, and he laid it over his wife's feet and her legs. And she replied by saying, oh, oh thank you, honey, I was beginning to feel a little chilly. And he said, yeah, I noticed that you, began, you were beginning to shiver. 
Now, some people might see that and ask the question, well, what's the matter with her? Is she incapable of getting up and go getting a napkin for herself? Well, I assure you that she isn't incapable of that. And if the situation were reversed and it was her that went up and got up and went asking for him, some might say, well, what does he do? Just sit there all day and wait for her to wait on him hand and foot? I assure you that he doesn't. I know this couple well. And they both have this habit of looking out for one another, of being willing to take the first step to meet each other's needs. And it's really good when we see married couples doing that for one another. But in John's letter, he's saying that we should be willing to do those kind of things for each other. This is what Paul meant in Galatians chapter 5.13 when he said, We are to serve one another. Now, that applies to marriages, of course, but it also applies to your other relationships. With your children, with your other family members, your parents, with your co-workers, with your friends, and every other relationship that you have. Love takes the first step. When those who are filled with the Holy Spirit see a need, they do something about it. They respond. And for John, loving others in these ways that we've been talking about this morning, they're really not an option. For in verse 14 he says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Now that pretty well takes out this love as an option theory, doesn't it? I mean, can you think of any other aspect of our behavior toward one another that's expressed this way in the Bible? I mean, I can't. I mean, I mean knowledge is good, but it's not a matter of life and death. Only love is. This is why Paul says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. So Paul begins this list of the qualities that he calls the fruit of the Spirit with the, the greatest quality of all, love. And as we've learned, it's just not an ideal that we strive to develop someday in the future. But rather, it is a quality of character that we seek to put into practice daily, now. I think we all know what love is, because we've experienced it through the grace of Jesus Christ. But now it's time for us to show what love is in the way that we treat others. By treating others as our equal. By treating others with compassion. And by being willing to take the first step. This week, as you pray for the fruit of the Spirit to ripen within your life, remember that the greatest fruit of all is this fruit of love. Let us pray. Oh God, how we need this fruit of the Spirit in our world today. Love. A deep devotion and love for you and a willingness to love one another as you love us. May this fruit of your Holy Spirit be cultivated within us, O oh God, so that we can treat others as equal brothers and sisters in Christ, so that we may be able to demonstrate compassion toward others in need. And instead of just sitting on the sidelines or across the fence from each other, we might be willing to take the first step towards demonstrating love toward others. 
Thank you for loving us, O God, in spite of our sins and paying the ultimate cause for our salvation. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to demonstrate to the world around us that love is our only hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.